0: Welcome back to another episode of Conservative Daily Podcast. My name is Joe
1: Altman. My name is Max McGuire. Who we have today, Max? We have a very special guest.
0: Yeah, this is this is pretty explosive stuff, and he has he has done some amazing amazing work and is being persecuted by it, not just by Democrats. Interesting. Not just by Democrats. By Republicans as well, who, who, do, who say to the American people we are searching for truth, while in actuality they're not searching for truth at all. They're trying to shut down the truth, and I find that the most interesting. But we we're, we don't have a ton of time um, to get through all this because uh, you know we're, we're we, we want to get through all this, but uh, we only have Tim Rantham for Rantham for uh, Representative Tim Rantham with the uh, Wisconsin. Um, he's representative with the state legislature. Or, or state legislature, let's bring him on. Hey, Tim, welcome to the, welcome to conservative daily podcast. I want to apologize for butchering your last name. I didn't, I, I, I did that thing where you switched the M and the M, the M and the N. Yeah. yeah.
2: So I apologize. That's okay. Just don't call me late for lunch. i yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So, Tim, you, this is usually where we, when we start off, we give the guests the opportunity to introduce themselves. Obviously, you've been in the news a lot lately, um, but I still want to give you the floor. Go ahead and introduce yourself to the, our audience if they don't already know who you are.
2: Well, thank you very much, uh, Max and, and Joe. Again, it's a it's a pleasure being here, and I'm so grateful and humbled to have the honor and privilege to be on your show today. I uh, I guess I would start by saying that uh, I, I'm a servant of the people. I signed up to work on the school board back in 2011, and I created situations that raised the bar even there. Uh, My background in, in private sector for four and a half decades was around efficiency, execution, quality, meeting and exceeding customer satisfaction and results. I don't tolerate mediocrity. I don't care for excuses. I want to get things done. And so my focus has always been discussion, debate, take an action, what's next? I get into the public sector, not just within the school board arena, but ultimately when I ran for the state assembly, uh, I tried in 2014, I went from fifth place to second place. And for a one seat election process, that's like kissing your sister and I don't have a sister. So um, when, the, when the gentleman who um, uh, basically won the seat back in 14, left after two sessions, my phone starts blowing up and they said, you got to run. So I decided long story short, and I I have to tell you, honestly, you and all of your listeners, um, I struggled with the Lord on this one because I thought when I ran in 14, he was with me and he was. However, I thought because he was with me that I was going to win. And he never said that. He just said, run, right? Well, he came back to me in 2018 and says, you got to run again. So I didn't want to do it. And we struggled for a couple of weeks. And finally I said, I will, and I will do it for the people and I'll do it for you and your glory. And so that's how I operate. Um, regarding election integrity, for those who may not have been paying attention all this time, I've got a couple of statements I'd like to make about that. Um, back to my point and principle, my conviction, my passion, my dutiful obligation uh, is to work out by and for the people and to serve uh, the Lord. My focus on this entire issue has been around process, mechanics, foreclosure, I want to remove and see an end to all the conspiracy, all the conjecture, all the rumor. I want to prove people who think it was stolen as right, or I want to prove to the people who think that the election was stolen as wrong. And conversely speaking, those who are saying, hey, nothing to see here, it's been the safe and most fair selection in history. I want to prove that right or wrong too. And I can't prove this, but if President Trump would have been given the majority of the votes back in November, and, and all the noise would have happened. I still might be doing this because the principle for me is the 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 integrity of the elections process. We've Regardless,
0: had pe- who is elected?
2: Yes, sir. At the end of the day, Regardless. it comes down. It comes down to the process because it, here's a, here's the key point, and and this hasn't resonated until like recently uh, in public to me. Since the, our nation was founded, people have died protecting it and preserving it. And one of the, the most gracious liberties we have is is our, our freedoms and and our liberties to elect the people to continue rep- representing us and to continue preserving our, our nation. It's un-American to me and very disrespectful to all of those people who gave of themselves, including those who gave the ultimate sacrifice, to not try to do all we can to bring this to closure. So my focus on this is closure. It's not about people. And then of course now the people are turning it into that and name calling and character assassination. But you know, if that's what it takes to get something done, bring it on. I wanna resolve this thing I'm working with, not directly, but you know, I'm not totally by myself. You've got representative Branchin, uh, the chairperson for the campaign elections committee working hard to get information. Uh, Special counsel Gableman is out there doing things. I don't really know where he's at and what he's got, but I can't imagine after seven months of this, that he doesn't have something tangible to do something other than subpoena machines and people. There's gotta be more to it. So those are the two things I really wanted to say. And and then that takes me to why I'm on your show today. Uh, I continued the process to try to get people there. There was a, a huge level of indifference and deflection and denial, right? Uh, within my own party and within the state uh, legislature, uh, both sides, both houses, Senate and Assembly. And perhaps not to give excuses to those people, but if you don't have it right in your face and to see clearly how the dots connect black and white factual data maybe they really didn't want to engage so what i needed to do after i proposed the question or the idea the thought of reclaiming ballots on october 28th of 2021 i got attacked right away from a senator a republican senator in wisconsin and she organized a response from Ledge council and ultimately i got one from the legislative reference bureau that basically said Eh, you really can't do it it's not valid and there's no mechanism well then i realized that okay we got a little bit of a fight going here i got to prove this we're going to peel this onion right so then i went after well here's a resolution that takes care of the mechanism and then they said well the one attorney you had i had a an attorney from michigan matt DePerno. you may know him i do I know, know that's matt.
0: a very good man
2: uh, yeah matt had sent a letter off to wendy rogers in arizona and that letter applied not just to Arizona, but in my humble opinion, to all 50 states, including Wisconsin. So when I got a hold of that letter and I met I met Wendy in uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, when I went out to see the symposium there, which was very informative. That's another conversation. But um, they, they kind of ripped on it. Said, oh, there's only one guy. And, you know, his website looks like a used car salesman. And they kind of dissed him to discredit his message. But they, I don't think they really looked at the quality of the message. And then I realized, okay, so now you got the Madison bubble attorney stuff going on and all of this deflection and and attack, I need to get two to one, three to one ratio so I can power numbers right back and say, hey, I got some constitutional attorneys that say the Madison bubble attorneys are wrong. And that's what I did. And that's the context of of the presentation. Um, You know, and one other comment I'll make before we can get into this thing and start peeling some onions on this PowerPoint. Um, All along the way, gentlemen, and to all of your listeners, had anyone, anyone of legal knowledge and legal standing said to me, Rampton, what you're trying to do, God God bless you for trying, but you know what, it, it, it just can't happen because, because, because? We wouldn't be talking about this today. I wouldn't be on your show and I wouldn't have had to make a presentation because I would have been clearly told it can't happen. That is not what occurred. When I reached out, so when I, when I announced on November 17th that the, the vehicle, the resolution, President Trump got a hold of it, and he thanked me for it. I don't know if you're aware of that or not. It doesn't I do. matter. I don't. Um, that's what triggered my awareness and my connections with national attorneys when they started contacting me and telling me you've got something to do here. I knew in my heart I had to see this through to the end, and uh, I've I've been getting hammered on it. Uh, my office was attacked last week. My staffer who has been helping work with me on this was removed to get us apart so that they would uh, censor my office's ability to uh, address this problem uh, ultimately that's not going to work for them i've already got situations in place to take care of that but uh, well, we, i, I we, did not can
0: we to- can we talk about that or do you not want to talk about that right now because we do have that link that i'd like to put up if you'd let me so i mean again we i didn't get to discuss that with you but we can wait on that as well if you'd like
2: well i don't, I don't want to show you, have you show any links at this time but i will tell you the story real quick because i do want to answer that um, on Wednesday afternoon, the 19th, uh, the, sec- the uh, chief of staff for the speaker came into my office and asked for the individual by name. And I said, he's off ill today. May I help you? And she said, well, you know, the speaker allocates um, staffing to offices, right? You know, kind of like you appropriate it, whether it's a, a, a fiscal cost or if it's a headcount at full uh, FTE kind of thing. And I said, yes, I do. I know that. And they allocate that. Well, he's going to reassign your uh, full-time person to a different office. And I said, Okay. Do I still have my half person? And they said, yes. And, um, I called him immediately and, um, told him about this news and he was, um, very concerned. And then he focused right back to, well, can I move from the full time to the half time? And when I asked that question of the speaker's office, uh, it does require a sign off on the additional expense for benefits. When you're, when you're full-time, you're fully benefited. If you go from full-time, fully benefited to half-time, you're still fully benefited. So that cost difference has to be approved. The speaker wouldn't approve it. So it was clear to me that he wanted him out of the office and, and and moving him on. They didn't you know terminate him, but they reassigned him to get him away. Then the next thing he said to me is, well, can I still work with you and and be with you and and do this project to see it through with you because it's that important to me? What if I quit? What if I resign my position in the capital? Regardless of what office, what if I resign? Then I'm unemployed, I, I don't have any connections. Maybe I could be a volunteer for you, maybe I could be an intern, maybe I could be a consultant, whatever. And that's kind of what I'm working on. I don't know, he did resign by the way. He's uh, he's unemployed. He's a single father, um, single parent family. And uh, you know, it, it, that the last couple of days for me personally from Wednesday afternoon until even this moment as I speak of it, my most serious concern is for him. The human interest element of this story was attacked and it, it's been damaged. And uh, I, I didn't have a whole lot of desire to talk to media because I was really wanting to make sure this guy was taken care of and that he wouldn't you know, go off the deep end because it's a big deal. But he, he made the decision to pull the plug on Friday, apparently. And, um, and then some people rallied around saying, well, the guy gave up a full-time job, 60 plus thousand a year plus benefits for zero. And we got to do something to help him. So he can keep his lights on and take care of his daughter. Yeah, well, and so I think, I
0: think yeah, I think we, you know, we somebody did put that up there, and we, we won't bring that up in this show. But we after this show, I will do a special about Tristan as well. I'll do a special okay. when when you're off about him. But what dead, what dead, a dead. what a brave man, and and that's what people don't understand. And the radical left, and I call them the radical left or the rhinos, the people that in the establishment, they don't understand that. You know, people are willing to give up a lot because the sacrifice that came before us was so great. And and we we wanna we really don't care who the who the president is or we don't care as long as they're duly elected by the voice of the people. And I think that that's the part that gets lost in the media. And, that's and, it and Tim, I, I've been in the middle of all this. I gave up my job. Actually, I gave up my company. I gave up a lot. I gave a 25-year reputation that literally got thrown out the window. I went from being the darling of the tech world to the most hated man by the radical left and and the, you know, far left Democrats and some of the rhinos as well. So I definitely feel his pain. I'm in a different position than he is so I can withstand it longer than he can. Um, which is why it makes it so much more dire and, and a, I think a bigger sacrifice because he stepped into the unknown to, yeah. to ba- basically to uh, protect the American way of life, the integrity. And all of this nation. came
1: from speaker Robin Voss, correct? That, that, that that's correct. The, the gentleman's name. We have his picture. If we can put it on my screen. Um, this is just one of the pictures <clears throat> that they have available online. Robin Voss speaker. Um, in the Wisconsin assembly. He's also been in the news and I'm, I'm interested what you can say about this. He's been in the news because after that judge just last week declared that the whole ballot drop box scheme in Wisconsin was illegal.
0: He was under Wisconsin
1: it. law. He was the one who was pushing it and he's still pushing ballot drop boxes. That just seems insane to me. Partisanship aside, if uh if we know that there's a huge vulnerability i don't know why he would possibly want to keep pushing this i mean I, I think the the cynic in me can 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 jump to a couple conclusions but i wanted to ask you what what's your comment on that because it's uh that came as a shock i don't live in wisconsin i've been there a few times beautiful state wonderful people but and i know that this guy's been a little wishy-washy over the past year But to see that report come out, was pretty shocking. So what do you know about that uh, on the ground?
2: I have a series of things I'd like to say. I I hope I can do it right. Um, The first thing I think about is leadership. Leadership in a time of crisis truly defines what a person really has within themselves, within their heart, within their character. I have been pursuing this issue with integrity and for purpose all along and never one time has anybody from leadership come to talk to me about this. I reached out initially and said on July 15th, and there's a press release on my website that qualifies this where we need to do more. I'm calling for a full forensic physical cyber audit. At that time I was pushing for audits. And investigations because everybody was saying show me the other and show me the other it's nothing to see here and you got you got to get that data to start turning the story Well I didn't get any response other than send an email to Gableman but no conversation no come by and say hey let's sit down and talk So that's my first comment. The second thing is in order to get the members of my legislative body to see the light, we created a program called Let There Be Light. And Let There Be Light was meant to say, we're gonna start showing you incrementally why this is important. And then when we get to a certain point, which in this case was after Let There Be Light number five press release, which was on January 14th, you're gonna get a package of information that you're gonna tie the press release flow of data and and facts, by the way, and everything I say ever, anything I say, anything I write, is truth all the time, even though I'm being accused of misinformation and lie. What was the term? A boldface lie in capital letters. Ooh. I don't lie, okay? And and it's all backed up with factual data. So incrementally, and thank you for showing that, incrementally when we got to, and these are all posted on the 17th, but the date of Let There Be Light 1 was January 4th. Uh, Let There Be Light 2 was January 6th. The the, the, structure, the strategy at the time was one on Tuesday, one on Thursday, twice a week, right? I was going to hit it with information, information, you know, and after three or four weeks, I was going to bust the package out. What curveballed me to your comments about the drop boxes, Max and, and Joe, was um, on, on the evening of, of Thursday the 13th, that's when the Waukesha County judge ruled that the use of ballot drop boxes was illegal. And that press release was already written that day. For the following Tuesday, the 18th. But I realized instantly that I needed to get it out right on that day, the next morning of the 14th, which was um, uh, Friday, the 14th. And so that, that went out. Now, that press release is a, a very direct and very extensive. It pulls in the federal organizations of CEIR, uh, CTCL, um, and, and NCSL, which is involved in this. And at the time, uh, Speaker Voss was also president of that organization. That's the factual statement. I'm not saying he did anything. I'm saying here's who was involved and here's where he was in the mix. Okay, so, you know, getting yelled at and saying, I didn't do that, I didn't order that. Well, you know, you were there. And to me, if you're if you're president of an organization, you should really know kind of what's going on. But that's kind of the whole, that's the, the, the subjective element of the process. All I said was simply, this group is involved and that group is involved and he happened to be tied to that group. That press release, got everybody, I think, pretty pretty jiggity because it was close to the heart and, and it was calling him out. Um, and then, of course, we went to uh, Monday the 17th, Tuesday the 18th. Um, I can tell you, we had a, a caucus meeting that day and it, it didn't go well for me. Uh, it was a closed session, so I cannot speak about the details, but I will tell you one thing and For all your listeners, this is how I am and I would never change. I'm walking up the flight of steps. First set, platform, second set. I got halfway up the second set to get to the floor above me to go to the room to get beat up. And the Lord said to me, you're going to get hit today. Let it happen. Let it happen. It's okay. And I I knew within myself that I, I was confident that it was part of the plan. It has to happen. This has to play out and they have to show their cards and show their disdain and show their vitriol and hate let it happen because you can't do something like this unprecedented historic and the, to the degree of, of importance it is for a nation without something happen that's going to be uncomfortable right so I walked into the room and yeah we went through the business of the bills and then and then uh, you know the the walls caved in and some pretty bad things were said I I, uh, I'm a forgiving, uh, forgiving guy and, and a loving guy, and I pray for people when they act like that. But I got to tell you, some of the stuff that was said left a mark. So um, I have a
1: quick, I have a quick follow-up question on Voss before we get into this report because I want want to make sure we give you plenty of time yeah. to go through it. More one about of the time. one of the news reports, if we can go ahead and put up my screen, Mr. Producer. Again, I'm not privy to all of the different dealings in Wisconsin, but this is what reached us was that Voss was telling Gableman that he wanted him to wrap up his investigation by the end of February. And part of me understands that obviously your session will go as long as it can go. I know you can extend it a little bit, but obviously you wanna get the report in your hands as the legislature so you can pass something before your session ends. Otherwise we're in the same boat in the midterm elections, right? But the other part of me says, well, wait a minute, this investigation is gonna go as long as it goes. And the idea that it's going to end and wrap up at the end of February when Dominion just got served with the subpoena, Dominion is not going to line up and, and, and want expedited <laughs> to expedite it. Um, so it almost seems like it's an impossible goal to meet that you can't possibly wrap up an investigation this large. I mean, they, they I, I saw just a couple of days ago, Gableman issued another subpoena. So yeah. is it possible to end and to wrap this up by February, or is that sabotage? I don't know how to read it.
2: I'm spinning with thought. Let me try to answer that. Uh, first of all, I know when uh, Justice Gableman put out special counsel, Gableman put out subpoenas for the mayors, I believe, of Milwaukee and 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 Dane County, perhaps Brown County as well. Um, the attorney general filed a lawsuit against him and and Speaker Voss and Representative Branch and chair for the campaign elections. And, and Rep Branch had nothing to do with it, but she got drawn in on the on the uh, on the lawsuit as a, as a comment in the lawsuit, of which I think they had a hearing a Wednesday or two ago. Now, time flies when you're not having fun. Uh, but in that meeting um, or in that that, that uh, hearing, Speaker Voss indicated to the judge Uh, we're gonna wrap this up at the end of February anyway. I think that's where the statement came to end it so that they wouldn't be pursued any further, but she didn't close the case, she left it open, but it's one of those deals where you're, a party is suing somebody for doing something wrong and they left that hearing and nobody lost and nobody won. It's just kind of hanging out there. So I think that's where the the framework for February came from. To your other question, uh, Max, I don't, I can't comprehend uh, the investigation and, and or audit related activities around elections should ever end until you have closure. We don't have closure. We will not have closure in February. And I believe in my heart of hearts. And I heard comment about it, but I haven't seen anything yet that there's a couple four bills coming out from the senator, a GOP senator who's not running for re-election by the way. So it's 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 okay and safe to to do things that aren't uh, conservative or Republican in nature. But something about some bills that are basically going to look to try to legalize everything that was done illegal last uh, last election. So we didn't do anything wrong and every, nothing to see here, but let's make all these changes suddenly now because Rampton put out this big factual presentation of data, it's like, it, it, it's it's contradiction on steroids. And so uh, and I think the the f- actual floor session, the, the other last point is I heard a comment made sec- first or second week of March. So I think he's looking to say that we closed out the investigation and that'll give us two weeks to rush through some legislation, which normally doesn't have um, a snowball's chance in Hades of, of passing because of our liberal governor. But these bills will support the elements of, of nefarious acts in the 2020 election, and he'll probably sign them. So I, I, I can already tell without even reading those bills, I'm not going to be on those bills. I'm not going to support them. And I'll tell you what, if our body supports these bills and or and passes them, and or passes them, I'll, that, that you, you, all the people are going to know, where the issues are within our state legislature. It's going to be really clear on paper. It's it's like this, the contrast of don't get on Rampton's resolution co-sponsorship memo, but sign the bills that want to legalize everything that was illegal in 2020. You can't do both, by the way. And if you do one or the other, you'll 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 out yourself. So it's funny. They don't want to do the resolution because they don't want to out people, but they'll do these bills, which is going to out people. So this is going to be interesting in the next six weeks. So hang on. But, but why? I mean, l- well, let's get right into the thing, but I just, I don't
0: understand the why. I don't understand the motive other than, other than money. We, we know that the, that, that lobbyists make the world go round. We know lobbyists, uh, launder money in large part in order to, uh, support candidates so that they can control the, the mores of society or the, or the, the pathway for, um, uh, different, different legislative bodies. But why, 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 why well, would you, why would you sell out your country, knowing the the ultimate, ultimately, that will lead to the downfall of our society as we know it?
2: That was an outstanding statement, Joe, that you just made, and that's the heart of this thing. I don't think they see it that way. I I switched from audits and investigations on October twenty eighth because I could tell we were going to run out of time, and the, the lack of activity for over a year, basically told me they were running out the clock. Yeah. So I so I did the dramatic let's reclaim our ten electoral ballots just to put a stake in the ground and shake the trees and and upset a lot of people but you know what let's frame this problem to we're working on investigations audits not going anywhere let's reclaim our ballots holy smokes this is really serious that's when things got got heated up and so what drives them to say no and and, and deflect and be indifferent and deny um Establish the establishment invest- the investigation and audit element needs to continue and focus on that point too. So if there's personnel issues getting in the way and obstructing, and there are, and we won't name them because you've already done that for me this morning, uh, that element of obstruction should be uh, investigated as well and, and up to and including uh, bank accounts, if, if there's money laundering going on, who knows what's going on. But I, I, you know what? In my heart of hearts, I don't know why they do this thing. I go back to my opening statement. I serve the people. I, I work at the pleasure of the people. I, I took an oath on the Constitution. Everything I'm doing is truth, and it's focused on the Constitution, and it's focused on the people, and it's focused on him. And and that's it. And I'm I'm safe and comfortable and confident in that arena, and I won't change. Other people around me don't seem to be that way, and I can't explain it. I can't explain it.
0: Well, let's jump right in. Sorry, Max. Go ahead. Yes.
1: Well, before we do, I, I don't want to cut you off while you're in the presentation. So we're going to take this moment to remind everyone before we get into this, that this podcast is sponsored by AirMedCare Network. The premier insurance plan to cover you and your household should any of you suffer a medical emergency and need to be airlifted to a hospital. It's not something we all think about. It's not usually a top of mind, but this is something we all should have. Anyone who's ever gone to a hospital by ambulance, you know it's incredibly expensive. Your insurance is not going to want to cover it. It only gets worse when you have to be transported by helicopter. And it's not just people who fall off the side of a mountain or get lost in the desert. Lots of people need to be airlifted in the suburbs and even in the cities just because traffic won't let them get to the hospital quickly any other way. Don't let this... Possibility bankrupt your family sign up with air med care network It starts at just $85 for one year covers your whole household It's less if you're a senior citizen It's less if you buy three or five years at a time and when you sign up using the link in our description airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash daily and then use promo code daily They're going to give you up to $50 back in the form of a gift cards free money So again go to airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash daily and use promo code daily to get up to $50 all right, we can go ahead and put up my screen. I have the presentation um, so we can put that behind us and we can go through this. Um, so what, I'll give the floor to you, Tim. Um, I'll go to page one. Just, just when you want me to scroll down, just let me know. Well, my, yeah, my
2: opening statement on this action right here is to qualify how the presentation ties to the resolution. So the clause-related expressions, which are statements as well as backed up by data, qualifies the asks or the whereas in the resolution. So, and they were done in sequential order. So clause one through clause 30, whatever, I forgot the number um, tied the statements in the resolution till till you get to the therefores. Okay, so the whereas, 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 those are the asks, the clauses qualify the asks. Then at the end of the clause section, you have your constitutional attorney opinions and their biographical data where, you know, their backgrounds, their history, some of these people, this uh, attorney, John Eastman, um, incredible, they're all incredible incredible people, but this guy's got a list of credentials longer than my arm, right? And he knows his stuff. And so, and that that takes us to, okay, here's the evidence, here's the justification that you can do what you can do. Here's your summary. That's the whole point of leading to water and making him drink. And if they don't want to accept the water that's in front of them, uh, they're going to have to defend that with their constituents and the nation. And that's the the story for this this presentation. So,
0: so I want to say this for the people that are listening in the audio version that I will be posting the uh, link to the resolution as well as the link to the PowerPoint. We will be putting it out on all social channels. But you'll and be able we'll, to find we'll it. And we'll put
1: it at, in the comment section. We'll put it in the we'll comment. Put it in the section comment
0: right section. Now. But we'll but 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 but, but 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 I want you to want you to know that this will be readily available. We'll put it up on the website, conservative-daily.com. You can go to this uh, um, uh, uh, podcast um, on the, the 24th, so January 24th, uh, 2022, and it will be listed in the comment section um, as well.
2: Okay, sorry about one that. Final st- one, no, never be sorry. One final statement I want to make too is the only seat on the ballot on the 2020 election that covered the entire state, was the presidential election? This is a this is an electoral college constitutional presidential election focus. It has nothing to do with any other seats that were on any ballot for the 2020 election. This is only for uh, the presidential election. So the introduction and the bullets on the screen kind of speak a little bit differently, but hit the same uh, comments I would I just made. I just want to make it clear that the clauses correlate to the resolution, so everything's one to one and it's laid out like a court case. Where you've got the you know the data that the the evidence and, and the and the support for the evidence, it gets you to a place where, as a jury, literally the people who look at this are the jury saying, "I, I see the merit, I see the uh, the the uh, the guilt. Let's let's convict or let's not convict. I mean, that's the yes and no at the end. So go ahead, next slide. That statement is uh, a Rasmussen poll that tells me and anyone else who cares that a majority of the people in the nation believed the, the election was not fair. It wasn't right. This is what and led it, you
0: they, to actually, th- th- these, are, these well, are the things that led you, if you go downstream as, as more evidence came out downstream that show you that we have a problem, an integrity issue in our elections.
2: Well, yeah, and, and when you try to do the right thing, and Joe, you, you related to this earlier in your experience, you know, you could call a lot of names. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not uh, off the rails. I'm not uh, Looney Tunes. I am focused on closure and the mechanics of our elections process from machines to database to, to absentee ballot processing and, and the drop-off. Multiple sec- segments of the process in, in elections is broken. It's compromised minimally and ultimately broken in some cases. I believe a lot of the clerks in Wisconsin, their small element of process, where they're at their their polling locations and whether they're municipal clerks. By the way, there's eighteen hundred and fifty-two of them in Wisconsin, plus seventy-two county clerks. You, roughly nine and nine and a quarter, nineteen hundred and twenty-five people are clerking around this process. Um, they their small little environment probably not where a lot of the issues occurred they don't control the database they don't know if databases are, are active and inactive they just know that the system will accept a ballot if the the uh, eligible voter has been qualified as such they don't know anything about how the machines work they all have modems they all have um, routers in them they all are uh, accessible to the internet they don't know how that stuff works so the clerks at first came out uh saying you know hey, you're attacking the clerks the clerks it's not their fault don't blame the clerks." i was never blaming the clerks. so anyway um th- this this sheet of paper yeah. qualifies the depth of concern in our nation and in our state and so uh, you know if i'm a conspiracy theorist or off the rails so are a majority of the people in our country
1: i love i love having well, these conversations with people because the way the media portrays you they make it sound like you're on out hunting for bigfoot in your spare time
0: <laughs> <laughs> i did mean, i actually it, saw it something fun. like that it was, it was-
1: But it's always fun having these conversations because we have conversations with people and you look in in Newsweek or any of these other like when it rises to the national level, they make it sound like they literally have a tinfoil hat on. But you're you're nothing but completely reasonable. Um, One question. I don't I I don't want to take up too much time because we want to. It's OK. Don't don't worry. Don't worry. I remember from Gableman's presentation that he found that there was a, a very strange correlation. You said that there's all these different clerks, the county clerks, right? I remember seeing a graph. I'm seeing if I can find it. It's buried in my email that showed that they were all changing the the voter registration numbers at similar frequencies at similar times.
2: It's in my and, it's in my PowerPoint. We'll get to that yeah. slide.
1: Okay. Okay.
2: That's a that's okay. a Dr. Okay. Douglas Frank item. So there's the resolution. <clears throat> I don't know what to say there. It's pretty self-explanatory. Um, it talks about the flow, the education element of how we get people to understand why this is an issue and they should be concerned about it.
1: Okay, Scroll down. The illegal drop boxes and tied organizations.
2: Yes. Center for tech and civic life. So, so one of the things that happened for me was on March 10th of 2021, new chairperson for campaign elections, Janelle Branchon had a hearing And it was the first hearing where an individual came in and spoke specifically about the elections process. And in this case, specifically about Brown County or the Green Bay area. Eric Cardall came in, he's an attorney. And I was sitting about six feet away from him and I watched his hour and nine minute and 43 second presentation, who's counting, where he spoke about what didn't happen in Green Bay that should have and what happened that shouldn't have. And that was where I, I, I think I if I wasn't all in yet at that time on the importance of this issue, that's when I, I fell right in this, this is a big deal. and if it can happen anywhere, it can happen everywhere in the state. And if it can happen in any state, it can happen in every state. So CTCL, this is all part of the Zuckerbuck connection where the monies came in. These organizations are set up. Um, I don't remember election I don't remember what the acronym is for CEIR election um, Innovation and research or something like that. Um, the, NCSL is a national conference of state legislatures. They're everywhere too. So if you if you infuse your your plan into organizations that touch all fifty states, you have a good chance of getting a return on investment for your initiative. And I think that's what this slide talks about. That toward the end it talks about specific in the seventy-two counties. It it qualifies that the laws were broken last uh, November, and there is a letter that you'll come to shortly where. Uh, the speaker and the uh, majority leader for the Senate at the time approved the boxes and, and supported their use, and that's the qualifier that ties the fact that they were behind it and they knew about it and they said it was okay.
1: And Zuckerberg poured over 350 million dollars into CTCL.
2: Yeah,
1: and, uh, and Wisconsin. Wisconsin a lot of drop boxes.
2: Wisconsin received 8.8 million. That's in my slide presentation as well. Yeah. So I, I can't. I think that's the letter. Yep. There's the letter. Sure. So if you go to that, that, that middle paragraph and you'll see there's some brackets, uh, at the last couple of sentences, that's where the statement is actually made. So this is an attorney representing the majority leader and the speaker and on their behalf, you know, she's saying yes to this and yes to that. And oh, by the way, it's okay to use drop boxes. So that's the letter that he essentially signed. It doesn't have his signature on, but it has his legal representative signature on it and on his behalf. Um self-explanatory. It, it speaks at the uh, rebuttal. Yeah, so so by
0: the way, this is um, people on the audio version can't understand what you're saying when you say self-explanatory. So if you could just tell them what this is really quickly and then say that this is uh, on this
2: slide, they'll talk about the Supreme Court um, response. This talks about what the clerks did uh, in, early in the year uh, to get ahead of uh, early voting and all that. Uh, so for Dane and, and Milwaukee County clerks they issued guidance to suggest everybody to dec- declare themselves indefinitely confined because of the pandemic. So there's, there's a slide on this too. The numbers were like 4,500 4, people at the time, it jumped up to 160,000, so but we had a lot of people that decided that they would just say they're indefinitely confined. And by the way, if you're indefinitely confined, you, you can get uh, ballots sent to you. You don't have to show uh, that you're eligible with your um, photo ID card or your driver's license you don't have to qualify that you're a legal resident you can just get as many ballots as you can and you can fill them out and send them in and, and they'll get processed because they were indefinitely confined so 160 some thousand right um, that's that's well what was the difference in the in the state twenty thousand eight hundred sixty two votes I mean right yeah. there it's enough to, to change the outcome right? So that's and you, what this and is you
1: about. can confirm. You can confirm there hasn't been a rash outbreak of like polio or any other disease that could affect Wisconsin residents more than other residents in states that would make them incapable of getting out of bed and leaving their house.
2: Yeah, I can confirm it. and I And I think, too, when you sign up and say that you're indefinitely confined, there should be some proof that requires or, or there should be some required proof that says, well, here's why I can say it. I am confined to the bed or I have this condition and there isn't any follow-up to confirm. You can just say it and it happens. And I think it sticks on your record until you take it back off. So anybody who said they're indefinitely confined in October, November of 2020 still may show that on the record. They may be able to vote indefinitely in definitely confined in April for spring elections in the midterms in this coming November. I think they're still listed as indefinitely confined. So this problem hasn't been resolved yet. I think it still exists.
1: And you can correct me if I'm wrong. I, I, I believe I remember that the, the state Supreme Court refused to let this go forward as like, a, as like a class and that the GOP, if they wanted to go after people who fraudulently labeled themselves as indefinitely confined, they would have to do it on a case-by-case basis. Has there been any progress on that? Obviously, that kind of blew up the possibility of getting this adjudicated before um, the inauguration. Has there been any movement on that whatsoever? Because people who said that they were indefinitely confined and then then walk, walked outside their home, got in their car and, and drove to movies or whatever, obviously that's fraudulent. Has there been any movement at all to identify these people?
2: Not to my knowledge. Some people popped up when they were looked at individually, like one of the state senators who's no longer a senator. Um, she says she's indefinitely confined. And on her Facebook page, she's in Mexico having a good time. So... Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, current gubernatorial candidate, Rebecca Clayfish, also said she's indefinitely confined, and I don't see any evidence of why that would be for her either, but that's just me. Um, evidence, the Supreme Court ruling, again, we, 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 we state the issue, we follow it up with the data to qualify the statements are accurate. The, the next slide you're showing now talks at evidence for number two's uh, clause. Um, and that, evidence-
1: was that that case that I was just referring to? with the state Supreme Court talking about the indefinitely confined?
2: Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. The next slide you're speaking, uh, bringing up here is the rush to certify. And, I, and by the way, I felt this too. We had until um, December 14th as a state, uh, I believe, to send our, our uh, electoral ballots into Washington to prepare for the January 6th congressional certification. And in this case, um, the Wisconsin Election Commission, and I believe the chairperson for the commission, her name is Ann Jacobs. Uh, she's a Democrat. Every every two years they change from one party to the other. So currently through the, the 2020 election, we had, had a Democratic um, chairperson, but she moved this information to the governor's office, I believe on November 30th, uh, way premature for time. And and even one of the other commissioners who happens to be a Republican filed a complaint against that situation, not just to the administrator for the Wisconsin Elections Commission, Megan Wolf, but I believe the, um, the chairperson was involved in that too. And uh, I don't think anything happened with that either, but he, even one of the members said, Hey, what, what's the rush? We have to validate that. They never talked about it as a body. That's what really bothered him if I remember right. He was upset that actions were taken to decisions were made without consent of the, of the commissioner body, the full six members. So he filed a case and it's the next slide will show that. The next slide will show that. There's the case right there. So again, say it, back it up with data. It shows the case.
1: This next bit, the CTCL, this is that organization with the Zuckerbucks, Bucks, the nefarious emails in Wisconsin five. Talk about this.
2: Uh, the communications between uh, municipal personnel, Milwaukee, uh, Dane County, Madison, Green Bay, Brown Our County, favorite.
1: Claire yeah. Woodall Bog. The woman who lost the thumb drive told police that she didn't want help finding it and then miraculously found it with just the right number of votes on it.
2: (laughs) Well, so, yeah. So for your listeners, um, the visual here is to to show the series of communications, email communications between uh, Michael uh, Spritzer Rubenstein and or uh, members of, of, municipal whether they're clerks or mayors basically showing um, a coordinated effort to uh, talk through the process to make sure things were done right hey what about this and let's make sure we do that and it was definitely um, evidence of of coordination and and centralized through the spritzer Rubenstein guy who uh, was sent in just for that purpose the next slide i think has some additional just
1: just just to read it because we've covered this we covered this when it first came out Claire woodall as I said, she was implicated. They said it was just a mistake. They lost the thumb drive. that just happened to have all of the ballots that Joe Biden needed to win the state. And this was an email from Ryan Chu with the elections group that said, damn, Claire, you have a flair for drama delivering just the margin needed at 3 a.m. I bet you had those votes counted at midnight, but just wanted to keep the world watching. And Claire woodall said, LOL, I just wanted to wait to say i had been awake for the full 24 hours um <clears throat> so again not not proof but it, it certainly stinks when you when you understand all the context
2: they, they had them before midnight and they had them coming before midnight and that's just all yeah okay um fido keys the first item uh going back to my 1852 municipal clerks and 72 county clerks in wisconsin there were 3,138 people who had access to the Wisconsin uh, voter database, not 1,925, 3,138. This, this evidence uh, clause and slide starts to speak at the wistful database and, and to compound the concerns I have with this issue. So, You've so got read,
0: read the, the third one if you would, the outside actors. Uh, you know, that that's really important because they could actually do it in real time.
2: They can do it in real time. And what's even more concerning, Joe, is, is if if you're a clerk in uh, Racine County, southeastern corner of the state, and you want to log into Eau Claire County, northwestern part of the state, you can do it from Racine. You can see the data in Eau Claire from Racine. You can change the data in Eau Claire's uh, WSFOT section. From Racine. And what so uh, got, what
0: systems are used there? What what system is that in Racine? I,
2: I don't know how to answer that question. I'm not sure what what, what to election
0: say to what what election machine company is in Racine.
2: Um, I believe Dominion.
0: Yeah.
2: Now let me let me expound on that. Dominion is exclusive in 15 counties in the state, and it's sharing of their services in five others. So they touch 20 out of 72 counties in the state es and s is the other main manufacturer they are in 31 counties exclusively so you've got 51 out of 72 counties that are be- between these two and these two companies share the same information they share the same data they can talk to each other so you know it's not just one it's it's all and i don't know why es s isn't getting more scrutiny but go ahead well, well they should get more scrutiny based on the
0: code base and the you know, the information coming out about how they share information, the incestuous
2: nature of people going back and yeah. forth between the companies, but I'm gonna let so you keep going. Before you move on a slide though, uh, Max, just go back to that. So the, the other thing I wanna make clear to the people is, as I was looking into this issue, because I'm engaged and I care, um, the data, the, the information, the database, call it the database, the file, the voter file, 7.1, we're gonna get to the slide number, but they're, they're all in one place. The only difference between who can vote off of that voter log database and who can't is the word inactive and active the data is all there and you can switch it from inactive to active and back nobody knows about it right the other concern is it's on the same server minimally i think we shouldn't carry more than the, there are people in the state we'll get to that side i don't want to get too premature here but that's another problem with this uh, wisconsin election commission they think it's okay to have everything in one place and one stop shopping and keep all these extraneous records for who knows how long and and you know, we got five point nine million people in the state and we got seven point one million names in this log. That doesn't that doesn't work right off the bat. That's a, a setup for fraud. So I'm I'm just concerned about same same file, data file, same server location. That's very hackable and very um, dangerous. So go ahead, next slide. This is a, an expression from Captain Seth Keschel. Again, when I do my research, I found out who's got what to say that's important. And he's talking about how when you, if, if your registrations for voting go up and down, if, if they go up, something comes down and conversely, it goes the other way. When, when you lose something, the other one changes. That graph shows how voter uh, numbers um, went up and down and in the from 2016, 2020, it shows that the Republican element uh, went up and that the Democrat element should have been lower, but suddenly it switched and went up, and it was actually ahead of the Republican piece. So it, it talks that when you have a fixed number of, of, of data points, you can't create a different outcome because the numbers tie you to the to the factual point of the, of the of the endpoint So what does it say here? Um, whereas data occurs study historical voter trends based on population growth for both the entire uh, ent- entity of the state of Wisconsin and counties individually, and those studies reveal the normal inverse relationship of data was not present in the 2020 election results, which is a statistical, statistical impossibility. So that's another way of saying, you showed you had more votes than you had people, basically is what that's saying. You couldn't do it. Inverse
1: yeah, that the, the new voters added to the voter rolls exceeded the population growth and the number of people you'd expect to naturally. That's it. Right there. You
2: said it better. Than, you said it better than me. Thank you. And this and this side qualifies it. This slide rather qualifies it when if you go from four, you can see uh, red versus blue. I'll use colors for the listeners. And you can kind of see where when something goes up, something comes down. And so and, it, and it's a little bit more clear. It's a lot more clear when you get to 12, 16, and 20. Now, if I remember correctly, when I was present for Captain uh, Keschel's uh, presentation on this, he was guesstimating that the Democratic number in 2020 for Rock County alone should have been somewhere around 33, 34,000 because you jumped up six on the, on the, on the, the GOP side, you're going to come down proportionately to the previous slide. And that should be where the number is. So miraculously, though, it was uh, uh, twelve to 13,000 more for Biden in Rock County. And that's just in one county out of 72. So again, a statistical impossibility, but but there's the evidence that it it actually happened. So, well, and if you forward. Look,
0: and if you go back to that slide really quick, one of the things that Seth Keschel talks about is trends, right? So the trends, if you look at 08 you had a huge um, enthusiasm for Obama. Obama. That that enthusiasm waned in 2012. And so typically you have a decrease that exists as you go through it. And there, again, there was a, a decrease in enthusiasm for Democrats uh, across the board in 2016. And that enthusiasm for 2020 was not, it, it, at a minimum, it should have stayed the same, but statistically it should have gone down based upon the enthusiasm indicators in market and what you see trend based going back 25 years, right? 30 years, 50 years. And this bucks that trend dramatically by, um, by double digits. In, in 2020 alone, 2020. And
2: the other beauty of this slide and and the work we did in the office is Keshe's full presentation is also available through this, uh, PowerPoint as well. So you can click on Captain Keshe's elements as well. Okay, perfect.
1: The left claims that this that, that this graph right here represents people wrongfully taken off of the voter rolls, and they say that this jump was just them directly being re added. Well, Basically, we already they're, have they're that making, the argument, too. That they're making well, well, the argument that they're making the argument that they should never have been purged to begin with, and they purged them in twenty sixteen and they were just righting the ship, restoring their right to vote. Well, um, the
2: next the next slide speaks at some of those numbers and I don't know how how we can qualify that to be fact. Again, I started to say earlier, there's 5.85, 5.9 million people in the state. The voting population of 4.5, of those 5.8 are people over 18, and of the over 18, 4.5 million, we had 3.3 vote in the 2020 election. I don't know why we have 7.1 million registered voters the database reflects that many. And again, it's, it's loaded up with inactives as well, including deceased people. I don't know why you carry a deceased person in a file. There's obviously not going to be using that again, but it's still out there and it can be changed from active to inactive or inactive to active and back, and nobody knows it. So that's the kind of stuff that allows um, nefarious acts to occur. So I'm sure
1: you have this in another part of the slide, but that was part of what came out. And I believe it was Gableman's presentation that as long as they remove them at a certain point, at a certain time, they can then add them and not have to hit the reporting uh, requirements. Correct,
2: Correct. it's all a timing element. And the system sees them as active because they've been made made active, and then somebody go back in. Again, it goes back to the FIDO key access. You got the key access and you got the password, right? 3,138 people, a lot more than we have that our clerk, Qualified, had access to the machine. It only takes one. It only takes one person to go in there and move stuff around. So here's a, a, some more qualified yeah, the data. Numbers. Yep, there's a the number seven point one. It's all there. Canvas the irregularities.
1: Can- yep,
2: that that talks at uh, additional data where in the database itself. Uh, I remember without even looking at the slide because I don't want to mess my thought up here. I remember something about. Uh, 43,000 people shared the same cell phone number and 23,000 people shared the same address. That's you, How do you have that? You can't have that. And then, or some sites had people voting and you go and there's a slide on this, it's a vacant lot. There isn't even a residency there. So they're using the database to say it, it's legalizing a ballot, but the credential to the ballot that, that is supposed to legalize, it doesn't exist. So therefore the ballot shouldn't be legal. This is where the ghost voters, the fandom voters, um, the, the fabricated ballots, are. Now, that's where this comes in. They use this stuff. L-
0: listen, we, we know, we know for a fact that the fraud exists in the machines. And I'm, I'm going I'm to qualify that because I'm a subject matter expert on system architecture. Because once, once they know who voted in person, once they know who voted, then they know who, if you know who voted, Tim, what else do they know? They who know didn't who vote. didn't vote. And if you have access to the voter logs and you can reassign those phantom voters votes to that ballot, you can bypass all this. And that's where you get into the dead voters and the 200 per per deal. They knew that they had to cheat massively in 2020, massively in order to overcome the American voice, the voice of the American people saying we want to stay on this path because it is actually doing us good as a country. Right? So it's really, it's really interesting that you talk about phantom, phantom ballots, because I believe, and I'll go back to, to and it, this is supported by facts, go back to uh, Maricopa, every one of the ballot boxes when they were delivered were open, and everything was disconjoined at every box, because they had to fill in the gaps in that five months they had before the audit in order to match up to what they put inside the system. It's fraud. It's
1: fraud.
2: Well said. Well said. <sighs> That's
1: something that CTCL did. They accessed this database to find what they said were uh, uh, disenfranchised voters, basically code for uh, African-Americans, Hispanics. And they identified people who hadn't submitted their ballots yet and sent ballot harvesters, allegedly, out to go collect them um, in real time, literally in 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 real time, finding this all out.
2: I would agree, and, and I, I find that to be a level of discrimination as well. They picked on minority elements within our large cities, and I think that's why they targeted the large cities as well. And I feel I feel bad for those people. They were taken advantage of. They weaponized them. Yes, sir. Yeah, okay. Let's go uh, on this is a, so this it, one is it, all is a,
1: evidence for addresses that don't really exist, correct?
2: Yeah, or, or, or to show how ridiculous it is to have you know people voting from a spot that looks like a parking lot. Unless they were counting the fish in the lake, I don't know what they were using for, for data. But 860 I mean, so
1: people can see this, 862 people 862, registered yeah. to vote at this little <laughs> vacant lot. Total beds zero, but 862 people were registered to vote there.
2: I don't know why wow. people don't think that's a problem in my my legislative body. But yeah, that's a, that's a really good one. That makes me shake my head every time I see it. Deleting log files. Uh, this slide speaks at when I was in Sioux Falls and they talked about Dominion machines being able to scrub the log file data and I was alerted there at that event and I'm working the floor and people are saying, what's going on? I got to get a press release out because we got a problem, I right? because I come from technology background and I know arrays and I know subroutines and I know you can program computers to do things that people can't see kind of thing. So and all of a sudden I got pulled up on the stage, which is rather shocking, but uh, they pulled me up on the stage in Sioux Falls to speak at my concern regarding the effect of this information I just received. So to, to spin a little more on this, on June 2nd, the Wisconsin Election Commission met with Dominion and Dominion asked, can we upgrade the machines? And, and the process is to replace the image. Has nothing to do with the ballot data. The ballot data is removed from the from the device and put onto a thumb drive. But just the ballot data. The thing about the the log file data, it shows the historical activity of the machine and when it was activated, from what IP address, for the date and time, was something uploaded, was something downloaded, what physically happened to the device. The log file shows that. And when you replace the image. You scrub that all out, so all the forensic data you could get from a machine is lost if it's been upgraded. So after I it, that became aware, of course, I was immediately concerned because it was six weeks ago that they got the green light to do this. So then I asked Dominion, and ES and Wisconsin Election Commission, show me the task list of what machines you're going to upgrade and in what order. I want the sequence because I think the sequence would be telling us to which ones we got to get to first. Perhaps I mean you got to think that way. You got to think that way. You can't put them in alphabetical order by counting. I knew it wasn't going to be the case. They never got me the data. So then what I did is I, I got little nuts on the Wisconsin Election Commission, and I reached out to Dean Knudsen and to Bob Spindell, and I said, listen, gentlemen, you, you guys uh, blew it on June 2nd. You should have never said yes to that. And I said, is anybody else asking to come in and asked the same question any other machine makers they said yeah actually uh, esns is coming in on september 9th i said you can't say yes so that wisconsin election commission was on a zoom call and that got watched by a lot of people and uh commissioner knutson was pretty active on asking some questions and it got revealed that yes in fact when they upgrade the machines with the new image it wipes out the log file data which is everything but the ballot information so that confirmed. My concern on August 11th when I put out the press release about the machines, and that justifies the press release they put out on September 15th, saying truth revealed because that was my point.
1: This concludes part one of our explosive interview. Make sure you go check out part two as we continue and finish this up.